Welcome to 52 Weeks in the Word. I'm your host, Trillia Newbell, and I am thrilled to have with me Jen Wilkin. Jen is an author and Bible teacher from Dallas, Texas. You have taught and written many Bible studies, but one of the things that, and, and, and I don't know if I have this right, but is it true that Genesis is your favorite? It's true. It's true. I mean, I love Exodus also, but I think would I love Exodus if I hadn't loved Genesis first? Okay, there you go. <laughs> it's your first love. I believe I've heard it said, and it may have come from you. I, I don't even know where I heard this, that if you can grasp Genesis, you can understand the rest of the Bible. That m- may be too simplistic, um, but here's my question. How important is the book of Genesis for grasping the whole of Scripture? And what are some of the major events and people that we really must know if we want to understand the Bible? Yeah, so Genesis has often been called the seed plot of the Bible because it's where the seeds of redemptive history are planted and all of the themes that you're going to see stretched throughout the rest of the Bible. It's where they start. And so I don't know that I can promise that if you understand Genesis, you'll understand the rest of the Bible, but I can promise that you'll have an easier time of it if you have spent a lot of time in Genesis. And so, yeah, like the significant events, I I can't stress enough how important it is to be familiar just with the opening three chapters. Um, it seems obvious, but I think we we tend to read them in a reading plan at the beginning of the year and maybe not give them our, our meditative um, consideration. So like, just think about the creation account, right? You've got the positive vision of what things were supposed to be like in Genesis 1 and 2. Um, and we need that because it's pointing us to how things will one day be again, uh, even in an amplified sense, you know, that you see in Revelation. So um, just looking at like, how does God behave in the creation account? What is he doing? What is he not doing? Um, You know, why is he ordering things out of chaos? How do we see that pattern repeat elsewhere? How are numbers significant? You have the numbers, you know, six days where things happen of a specific nature and then a seventh day. So the numbers six and seven become significant. Uh, And then you get into later chapters where numbers like 12 become significant, 12 Mm -hmm. tribes of Israel, 12 sons of Jacob. Um, and then those numbers are going to help you understand the way that numbers are used elsewhere in the Bible as well. Um, tens are important, you know, um, anything like that where you can ask, why is this in here? And, and how is it not just giving me a memory hook kind of for what's happening in the Bible, but also helping me connect what happened in Genesis to things that happen elsewhere to look for repeating themes? Um, so yeah, the first 11 chapters give us that, um, that earliest history that, sh- that, that asks and answers a fundamental question like, how did we get here? Uh, why do people speak a bunch of different languages and live scattered across the globe? You know, that's what mm-hmm. the Tower of Babel tells us. Mm-hmm. And then um, where did the nation of Israel come from? That's what the last 12, chapters 12 through 50 are going to tell us. Um, so keeping in view that we want to understand the stories of Israel and its origins, because they are in in a very real sense, our story and our history um, mm-hmm. helps us to read them with a more careful eye, I think. That is so good. And it's interesting that, okay, so, so you can understand other parts of the Bible without understanding Genesis. <laughs> That's a good, but I do wonder, I mean, if you don't get the first three chapters, it's really tough to understand the New Testament. So I would say, what, 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 how would you encourage someone as they're reading and thinking about it in light of the New Testament? 
Well, you know, the authors of the New Testament absolutely loved and dedicated themselves to the learning of the Old Testament. Right. And you can tell that in the way that they have constructed their own writings. But it's not immediately evident to us if we've predominantly spent time in the New Testament at the expense of the Old Testament. Mm. But it's very interesting to spend a lot of time in Genesis and then read the Gospel of John or even John's epistles or Revelation. So all of the New Testament writings of John are tying very tightly back to the imagery of Genesis. They're using it in ways that are telling us something that's true about the nature of salvation, the nature of sanctification. So think of all the time that John spends talking about darkness and light. That's creation language, yes. right? Uh, and he's very specific about, you know, in the beginning was the word he talks about in the, he says in the beginning, more times in the New Testament than anybody else does, because he wants you to think, what's the significance of the the original in the beginning? And how does it relate to how I understand the beginning of um, the ministry of Christ and its impact on our salvation? Um, how do I think about beginnings? Um, what's the significance of us uh, having a new beginning with, with um, the birth and, and ministry and death and resurrection of Christ? So... Um, it's not that you can't understand the New Testament without the old, but you can, I would say you can only have a surface level understanding of it because John and the other New Testament writers assume that you know the Old Testament. Yes, and Jesus himself assumes that there's a knowledge there in a quoting, yeah, quoting the Old Testament. So, so there's something that you said that really caught my ear. You said that as you're reading Genesis 1 through 3 in particular, to pay attention to how God behaves, which is, that's such an interesting idea. Um, and I don't know if people have thought of that as they're reading the Bible, pay attention to how God p behaves, what he does and what he doesn't do. Can you give us an example of what that would look like in the context of Genesis 1 through 3? Yeah, so it's significant that we would connect how he behaves to who he is, right, to his character. So God is a God who separates. You know, we've seen him separate light from darkness. He separates water from dry land. He's in the business of making distinctions between one thing and another. And that's that's what we see continue through the Old Testament. He separates his righteous line from the unrighteous line. They're called to be set apart and separate. Uh, an, analogous, an analogous word for that is they're called to be holy or sanctified. Uh, and so then for the New Testament believer, when we understand that God is a God who separates, we understand how God separates us from our former lives. He separates us from sin patterns that still beset us. He sets us apart as holy, as a, as a royal priesthood. So any, any attention you can pay to those earliest acts or words or, um, or um, descriptions of God are going to help you understand how you should think about him in any later passages. It's it's interesting because I don't know if many of us have thought of a God who separates. We always think of a God who brings together, right? As we study the scriptures through this year and read the Bible, let's look for areas where we see God separating and what that means. I just think that would be fascinating just to have a whole thinking through that for through the year. But then I also think when we get to John, <laughs> to, to mark down words such as light and um, there, there were a few things that you said in my brain. Oh, cre in the beginning um, was a word and the word was et cetera, et cetera, which we'll get at the very beginning of the uh, chapter in John. But but it, I think that would just be really fascinating. And and that leads me to why I'm, I'm really grateful 
um, to have you on because I, I think that we don't always connect the dots of the whole scripture and how how they it works together, but and how the, it's pointing to each other in in different ways. And so, so thank you, Jen, for that. That's really it's it's encouraging, and I pray pray that for those who are um, listening, that it'll be inspiring as they're reading through the Bible. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that we've got to start somewhere and the Old Testament can be intimidating, but the important thing is to just get into it, start reading, you know, just give it, give it your thought, uh, let it soak in and it will be, you'll begin to see how it's shaping uh, your understanding of all of the rest of scripture. Amen. With that, let's pray. Lord God, I do pray that we would give it some thought. I love that simple idea, um, God. Lord, thank you for the gift of your word, God, who you are. Lord, that we can learn about how you behave, your character, Lord, and that we can grow in our knowledge and um, and orient our lives accordingly based on what we, we learn and know about you. So God, I pray, God, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, Lord. Illuminate the word to our minds. Help us to understand and engage um, with our minds, with our hearts, Lord, so that we might love you um, rightly. Lord, we worship you and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jen. 